0: Uh, Easter is going to be early this year. It's the end of March. Uh, it's also the beginning of spring break weekend. Um, it, it's, a, it's one of those Sundays that uh, people are a lot more willing to be receptive to an invite. And so I'd encourage you, even now, to, you know, mid-January, to be thinking about, to be praying about, who, who would I want to invite to come with me? You can invite them to come before Easter as well. Um, but like I said, Easter is always one of those Sundays that people are more willing to say, okay, sure, you know, I'll, I'll go. Uh, whatever the, the reasoning behind that is, that they're more willing to say, yes to that. And and, uh, to allow for that, we're actually already planning on having two services on Easter Sunday, an 8 o'clock and a 10 o'clock. And so we will have uh, everything prepared for that. And uh, so we're kind of thinking about that, but who could I be inviting this Easter to join with me as we celebrate the risen Lord? Well, this morning we are starting a brand new series and this series will take us through Easter, we will have a little break in the midst of it in the month of February, we'll hit on a couple of weeks on just what does it look like to, to love through our actions, um, but for the most part we'll be in this series from now until Easter, and this new series is called Jesus, A True and Better Story, A True and Better Story. Who, who is the Bible ultimately about? I think sometimes we get caught up as we read through it, and we see, okay, well, is this instructing me how to live? Is is, is it really about me? Is that that why I read it? And um, really as we begin to see, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not even about us, God's people, but it's a true and better story about God. Each story, each book of the Bible, uh, all all the history, all the the prophecy and the poetry uh, that we find in it reveal a little bit about who our God is. Stories of biblical characters in the Old Testament reveal what God is like as we see God interacting with his people. And all of Scripture foreshadows and centralizes on the work and the person of Jesus. It all comes down to Jesus. That's all Scripture points to is God's plan in Jesus. Uh, This series, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, A True and Better Story, inspired off of a message I want want to give credit where credit is due that Tim Keller, uh, a Christian author and pastor, gave uh, years ago and he kind of walked through uh, some of those statements you heard in the video that was played at the beginning of the message here. Um, So we're going to kind of take a minute, if a lot of that, if you didn't grasp on, okay, I don't know all these different names that they're saying or their stories, it's okay. Those are some of the different Old Testament characters that we're going to walk through in this series and say, what is their story? What what do we see about God? What do we learn about God in the midst of their story? And then how is Jesus uh, a fulfillment of that? And so if God used this person to save their people, how does God use Jesus to save all who would come to him? If if here's a story of someone who who, uh, was innocently slain, how is Jesus innocently slain, and what does that mean for us? And so that's what we're walking through as we walk through these Old Testament uh, uh, stories, just grabbing a few of them. And so if you didn't grasp all of those, if you don't have that background, that's fine. Uh, You're in present company, and that's sure a lot of other people did too. But hey, we're going to teach you that. We're going to walk through some of those stories, and really how is Jesus uh, a true and better example of those stories. Well, as we jump into this series, first I want to talk about how the story of Jesus is a true story. It's a true story. As we look at this concept of truth, we need to acknowledge that truth is not reliant on one's understanding or personal belief. Hear that again. Truth is not reliant on my, on your, on anyone's understanding of it or personal belief in it. Truth is. It simply is. You could say, Steve, I believe you are an astronaut. And while that would be very cool, and I would love to be able to go up into space, um, I'm not an astronaut. You believing that I'm an astronaut doesn't make me any more an astronaut. Did you see how, where I'm going with this? So truth is truth is truth. What we think about it, what we understand about it, what we believe about it, doesn't impact truth. And the same is, is true of spiritual matters and, and truth about God. Truth about God is not reliant on our beliefs. It really should be the other way around because truth is what is solid, what is stationary. We should say, help me, help me God to understand your truth. Help me to learn more about it and to see it more clearly and then based off of what I can know and understand of who you are and the truth of that, help that to inform my beliefs and my thoughts and, and, and how I live in this world in community and with others. So first and foremost, let's, let's ask of ourselves, what comes first in your life? Is it your beliefs or is it your pursuit of the truth? If you pursue truth and you find something that's contrary to what you believe, are you willing to change and say, okay, I, I was off on that? Are, are you willing to say, God, you know, teach me, how, you know, show me where I have things wrong"? Help me to build my beliefs on your truth. Help me to see and understand and learn what that is. Or do we simply go to God and say, hey, here's what I think about you, here's what I think is true, and so I think it must be true. This is simply not how truth works. If we believe that Jesus is God, if we believe that to be true, then that should influence how we live our lives. Uh, For those of you here who have Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You'd say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, Do you know the date that that happened? You say it was uh, a Tuesday, it was uh, February 27th, you know, 2009. Some people do. Some people have that date and time and then get down to the second. Here's when I accepted Jesus. I think sometimes we get fixated on that. Well, when when did so and so accept Christ? What what was that moment? Are, Are they followers of Jesus? And well, that moment of Trusting in Jesus is significant. And it's something to celebrate. And it's something awesome. It's a sign of Jesus taking someone's sin and paying the price for them by his death on the cross. And all of a sudden now the person is forgiven. That person is perfected in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will come upon them and be a seal upon their lives. And their eternity is now ensured for all time that they will be with God in heaven. That's an amazing thing, and if you've taken that step in your life, but can't tell me here is the day, here is the time, it's okay. It doesn't, uh, doesn't discredit it. It's a good thing, but sometimes we get focused on. Oh, when was that moment? You know, think of it this way: imagine being in a relationship. Maybe it's, um, if you're married, you can just picture your marriage in this. Um, but you're in a significant relationship. Uh, marriage is, is probably the clearest one, and you have an anniversary. Here's the anniversary of our relationship. And every year, you celebrate that day. It was this day, say, you know, 12 years ago that we got married. But now imagine, when you celebrate that day, you celebrate on your own, you don't invite your spouse or the other person in this relationship. Uh, And honestly, you haven't talked to them in any real intimate way for the past seven years. Um, You think you have their phone number. Um, Maybe you could probably get a hold of them in case of emergency are you really living in a marriage? Well, i got a day I can celebrate. You know, I'm according to that date. I'm, I'm married. Or I'm in this relationship. But as, as we look at how you're living, you say, well, really, no, you're not. You're just celebrating that day. And I think sometimes that's how we get caught up is, hey, I, I went to camp when I was in junior high and, and I prayed this prayer to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And you remember that every time someone pushes you on, on, on where you are with God today, well, I, I, can, I can look back on that date. But have you continued to pursue him in the midst? Are you still walking with him, or are you just standing on that day at camp one time? Because if, if the story of Jesus is true, it calls us to something. It requires a response from us. See, for those of us here who are followers of Jesus, I, I pray that this series would do a couple things. First and foremost, as we talk about uh, who Jesus is and what he calls, us, uh, calls of us, uh, I pray it would encourage you I pray I would encourage you in the ways that you are already living for God. That, that we hit on some things like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm doing that. That's awesome. And be encouraged about that. I pray that this series would convict you in ways that you're not following God. I pray the same for myself. that As I study and prepare for this, i got to re- reveal ways that we're not following Him, that we're not surrendering to Him, and we'd be convicted by that. And then I also pray that we'd be equipped to take our next step of obedience when that conviction comes. That we wouldn't simply be convicted and, and, and say, oh, I wish I would have done that differently and then go back, just live in the same way, but that we would be equipped by the Holy Spirit working in our lives to bring about change, to see lives change and disciples made. For those of you here who do not know Jesus, who are not follow of Christ, you're just kind of checking out maybe what, what Jesus is all about, what church is all about, or maybe you're just here with someone else and you just came as, as you know, their guest and, you know, hey, You can do your Jesus thing, it's not for me. Wherever you are today, if you are not a follower of Jesus, my prayer through this series would be that you would get to know the truth of Jesus. You get to know the good news about who he is, that you would learn and explore and be able to come to a place where you can receive the truth of God and engage with Jesus in your life. So that is my hope because I believe the story of Jesus to be true. There's all kinds of reasons why I believe it to be true. One of the, the, the most significant for me is the claims that Jesus made and then the acts that he did. So how can we trust the sources and all that? because we, we have records that we can go back and we can see, okay, here's all these different eyewitnesses who would attest to what happened. And, and there's all kinds of different theories out there. as Well, can't, maybe, maybe this happened. Maybe, and there's always other ways you can look at that. As I've weighed all the different evidence and said, okay, this is truly what I believe has happened based off of the evidence Jesus claimed to be God and then proved it. So as I unpack the testimony of those who are eyewitnesses, I'm like, yeah, I believe it. I believe it to be true. Well, the story of Jesus is also a better story. You see, sometimes we don't want to hear the truth, right? But trust me, the truth is always a better story than a lie. Sure, a good lie may make for a good story around a campfire, but the truth is always a better story when it comes to how we live our lives. See, imagine this. Imagine you're a doctor and you got a patient who just came into your office. I think they have cancer. And you run the tests and you got the test results back and, and it's positive. Not only do they have cancer, but they have, it's so aggressive. It's, it's, it's all over. It's a terminal cancer. It's like, hey, you know, you got a couple weeks. Would you tell them? Would you tell them the truth? Do you think they want to hear that? Or would you lie? Oh, no, you're fine. Go enjoy your life. Now, flip it around. Imagine you're the patient. What would you want to hear? Well, we'd we want to hear that we're healthy. And we want it to be true. But ultimately, we want to hear the truth so that we can know okay, this is what's true. That then can inform how I go and live. So, so apply that to a spiritual side of things, a spiritual conversation. If, if Jesus is true, however that strikes you, whether that's an amazing, awesome thing that Jesus is God, or if it scares you because it Requires that he make some changes in your life. If it's true, let's stand on that and allow it to inform how we go and live our lives. We don't want to know the truth sometimes because then it calls us to live according to that truth. See, when it comes to spiritual matters, we don't always want to hear truth because one, it reveals our own brokenness and our own need. If you if you're here this morning, like Steve, you know, before we talk about this Jesus stuff, you know, I'm a mess right now. There's so many things broken in my life. i got relationships that are falling apart. i got finances that, that, that are a mess. Um, I, I'm lucky I even made it here this morning. Um, you know, just If you're feeling that way, you're not alone. None of us comes to this church saying, hey, we're perfect. We come and say we're perfected in Jesus because he's perfect. We're saying we're in need of a savior because we're broken. Because we, we can't live a perfect life. We can't live to what God would call us to. And he knows that, which is why he sends Jesus to stand in our place, to be a substitution for the sacrifice required as a payment for our sins. So when we see spiritual truth or any truth, it it reveals our brokenness and our need. And if that's where you're at, know you're not alone in that. We also sometimes don't want to hear spiritual truth because it requires something of us, either action or we have to deny it. We have to fool ourselves and convince ourselves, no, what I know to be true isn't true, either by stuffing it way down or ignoring it or, or just outright pretending that it's not true or we didn't hear it. Or we can respond to it through action. So the story of Jesus is a true story. It's a better story. But as we look at this, we need to acknowledge that we are all spiritually sick. And unfortunately, just, just kind of give you some truth. We are all spiritually sick. And and, and the prognosis is death. Both a physical death and a separation from God. And and this is something that you've inherited. And and don't look at your wives, husbands. It's it's on the the father's side um, is where this sickness has come from. We go all the way back to Adam. And this is the sickness called sin. But fortunately, the story of Jesus is a better story. It's a story of redemption and a story of healing. And so let's unpack that a little bit here this morning. We're going to be looking at the story of Adam. Uh, Adam from the Garden of Eden. If you don't know who Adam is, he was the first man. Uh, Some of his skills and abilities include being a a creative administrator. Uh, It was his job to line up and and name all the different animals that God had made. And so he's got some administration skills in there. Uh, He's a gardener, we can infer, because as he's caring for the garden that God has created for him. And uh, in in his wild days, he was a little bit of a nudist for a while. Um, But... Yeah, we we won't hold that against him. Um, so Genesis chapter 1 shares the story of creation, how God created the world. And we get to Genesis chapter 2, and then in chapter 3 as well, and God gets a little more specific for, here's how he made man. Here's how he made woman. And here's how they lived together. And then Genesis chapter 3 starts to unpack the fall, where sin enters into the picture. And We see here in Genesis chapter 1, uh, the second half of verse, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1, the second half, He said to the woman, the he here is referring to the serpent, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So here's Adam and Eve, they're together, even though the serpent's speaking to Eve, as you read the rest of the text, you can see that they're together, they're both hearing this. And the serpent is starting to question what they know to be true. Is what God said really true? Do you believe what God said? Do you believe, because they know what he said. It's not like they forgot, but it's being called into question. Is that really true? I think we ask that question all the time. As we come to know who God is, and maybe we struggle with our own doubts and our own questions. God, are are you really there? Is this really true? Anyone else ever struggle with the unseen God? I know it's hard. We ask those same questions. Is this true? The serpent continues and says, hey, God just doesn't want you to eat that tree because if you do, He knows you will become like Him in knowing good and evil. And so, all of a sudden, the serpent says, "Hey, I got a better plan for you. You sure God was telling you the truth? I got a better plan. If you go my way, here's a better way to do it. If you eat of this tree, you'll be like God. What's so sad is, if we go back to Genesis chapter two, we see that they Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. They were like God." So here the serpent is tempting them with a lie and calling something good, saying something was better that they already had. So do I believe what God said to be true? Is this a better plan? Those are the questions that faced Adam and Eve and they ate of the tree and they sinned and things don't get better because it was a lie. As a result of this, when God confronts them, there's some consequences, one of the things is, okay, uh, even in childbirth, there'll be pain now. Adam, in and, and, and getting produce from the land, there'll be labor and pain in, in that as well. It'll be hard work. We see Adam and Eve are, are both removed from the garden. In the garden, they would walk in the cool of the day, and, and God would walk alongside them. What an amazingly intimate relationship with the father they had. Now, because of their sin, they're separated from that. They're out of God's presence. Sin and death entered into the world through Adam in the garden. And this spread to all people. This brought about sin and death for all of us. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 5. This is where we're going to be here uh, for the rest of our time as we unpack what does it look like for Jesus to be the true and better Adam. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Uh, if you want to turn on your Bibles, go digital. That's awesome as well. We got some in, in the seats. If you need one to, to take home and call your own, uh, you're more than welcome to do that. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 14 is where we're going to start. But kind of keep it open there because we're, we're going to do some more. Romans 5, 12 through 14. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where, where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who, uh, who was a type of the one who was to come. You see, so Adam is a type of, of Christ. He, he's kind of like you know, there's life that comes through Adam uh, physically, but uh, Jesus will be a, a true and better Adam. We see, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin because of what Adam and Eve did, we see that sin enters into the world and it brings death. But again, there is a true and better story in Jesus. There is good news. Have you ever heard the word gospel? Gospel translates literally as good news. And so the gospel of Jesus is the good news of Jesus. When I was growing up, I kind of uh, responded to this in, in phases. Uh, for some people, when they learn about the good news of Jesus, Jesus they learn the fact that um, We're all sinners, we've gone against, we've missed the mark uh, on the word of God, what God would ask of us. And because of that, we're separated from him. We we can no longer be in relationship with him because of that sin. And God, in his infinite wisdom, knowing this, had a plan from the very beginning of time uh, that he would send his son, Jesus, who would live a perfect life. Being God, he was able to do that. And so when Jesus gave up his life and went to the cross, he didn't deserve death. There was no sin on him that needed to be paid for. But he went as a substitution in our place. He took on the sins of the world and gave up his life as a payment for that sin. And the story doesn't end there and that's one of the most beautiful parts of Easter when we celebrate this on Easter is that on the third day he rose again. Not only did he pay the price for us but he was also being God able to overcome death and defeat death and rose again and ascended into heaven. And that same eternal life is promised to us. And so that's the good news of Jesus. That when we trust in Him, our sins are forgiven and we have an eternity to live on. And so I, I learned this a little bit growing up. Uh, the church I grew up in was, was a Lutheran church. I learned some of this stuff, head knowledge. But never really went beyond that. I just got kind of some things I knew. And then... Uh, And after eighth grade, my mom said, hey, it's up to you if you want to keep going or not. And um, like, you know, just where I was in my life and things that were going on, I'm like, all right, see ya. So I stopped going to church. and I got connected with some friends through another organization that that their goal was to see people draw close to Christ. And um, through a Bible study I was in in that, Um, I I, I gave my life to Christ. I said, Jesus, I trust in you for the forgiveness of my sin. And even then, there wasn't, much change in my life. It was still just kind of a, okay, I'm, you know, I, I was a good kid. Uh, at least what you would define as a good kid. Not, you know, none of us are, are good at the end of the day because we all have sin in us. And, um, but I was able to hide it uh, pretty well. And, and so I didn't get in trouble, not because I wasn't doing trouble, but because I could, you know, get around any kind of authority or whatnot and, and not um, have to pay the consequences for that trouble. And, um, so on the outside, I was like a good kid, but, you know, I had, my, I had my issues just like any one of us. Um, But when I trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins, at that moment, yeah, we're We're perfected. We're forgiven. But then again, it still wasn't until about four years later until I got into college and I started to have to teach what I claimed to believe to some junior high students. I came to this point of, well, hang on a sec. Do I really believe this to be true? Do I believe that Jesus is God? And am I allowing it to impact my life in the way that it deserves to be for the kind of truth that it is? I kind of came to this point of, I'm not really living that way. And so there was a surrender of Jesus, to Jesus, of him as my Lord, to say, not only do I believe you forgive my sins, but you're in charge of my life. Lead me, guide me, help me to see the path that you've laid out for me. And so that's my story. It goes over a span of years, and for maybe you, your story might be, uh, hey, you know, I was doing all these things and then met Christ and turned my life around, and that next day I'm living for him. And there's... Things we can praise in both of those. Because so it's a story of, of life being changed. But the good news is available, it's, it's available to everybody. It's a free gift of God. Let's go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 15. But the free gift, this is the gift of Jesus, is not like the trespass, referring to Adam. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man. Jesus Christ abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift, uh, the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Oh, I'm sorry. For one, verse 17. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many were, would be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I know it's a a mouthful, I know it's a lot in there, so let me just kind of hit on a few things real quick the rest of our time we have here this morning. We're looking at how Jesus is a true and better Adam. Let's see some some of the characteristics about Adam and then how that is fulfilled in Jesus. We'll see through Adam, we've each received a gift of physical life, but this physical life will will waste away. There's an expiration date, we don't know what it is, but at some point or another, uh, these physical bodies will be laid to rest. And through Jesus, we're each offered everlasting life. What's interesting is, yet we put so much of our focus, so much of our energy into the physical world that we can see. Even though if we were to put a timeline out, it's okay, where where is this world, and then where is eternity? This world, this time, is just a speck on that timeline compared to what eternity would be. And so in light of that truth, in light of the fact that there's everlasting life in Jesus, let us uh, try to live out Colossians 3 as best we can. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Turn your energy towards what will last, investing in others, sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus with others so that they can receive the forgiveness of sin and be in heaven with us. There are people putting all kinds of energy and focus into things that will not last. I came across a story this week Uh, with Powerball continuing to climb. I heard there was, I think rumored there was a winner this past time. I don't know. Um, But there's a lady who had basically given all she had to get Powerball tickets. Expecting, almost expecting to win. And if you don't know how math works, she lost. Everyone lost. Steve, that one guy, yeah, everyone lost. Just trust me on that. Um, And so she didn't win anything. And then couldn't pay the bills and they're now in financial distress. So what does she do? Well, she starts a GoFundMe page. If you're not familiar with GoFundMe, it's an online place where you can go and you can set up, hey, here's my need, here's what's going on. Uh, usually it's like, hey, I'm starting a business or I'm you know, trying to uh, cure this disease. I'm you know, trying to raise funds for it. and It's things like that. But this was a lady saying, hey, I don't have any money because I spent it all on Powerball tickets. And while she did acknowledge her need for money to be able to pay bills and, and get food, a part of what she was saying about why she needed funds was so she could then have money to go and try to get, strike it big again. It, it wasn't that hey, I just need so you know, I've learned from a mistake, but it was she wanted to continue to pour money into because she saw getting that Powerball that was what had the most value to her. And beyond the odds, even if she was that one person, you look at your average person who, who's won the lottery, and there's countless stories where years later they're, they're in worse financial condition than before they won the lottery. So let us turn our focus towards things that last because Jesus is a true and better Adam who offers us life everlasting. Jesus is a true and better Adam. Uh, While Adam's sin led to our condemnation, because of Adam's sin, uh, it led to where sin and death are in the picture, and because of our sin, we're guilty before God, right? We've all screwed up in some way. Um, It doesn't matter if the person next to you has screwed up a whole lot more or a whole lot less. We've all messed up in one way or another. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Because of Adam's sin, there's a condemnation. But Jesus' sacrifice leads to our justification. We're justified in him. We are made right. This will be called righteousness. We see this in Romans 5, uh, a couple different places. Verse 16, the second half, uh, "...for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification." Romans five nineteen. for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. We are made righteous in Christ. It might sound like a simple concept, but this is one I think we have a hard time living out. I think we really do. How, how do you decide, or I should say maybe, when do you decide what you're going to eat? Whether you're at home or out, out at a restaurant, when, when do you decide what you're going to eat? After you look at the menu, right? After you stand in front of the pantry for half an hour. And then you close and you open the fridge. And then you close and go back to the pantry. And then you say, honey, what do you feel like I'm making? Because I'm I'm, I'm hopeless. (laughs) But we weigh all the options. We look at everything out there. And then we make a decision what we want to eat, right? How, How do you decide where you want to go to college or where you want to go get a job? You weigh your options. Where are all the different places I want to go? You apply to them. and You say, okay, who will accept me? Okay, i got these three in front of me. You go visit. You gather all the information. And then you make the decision, right? How do you decide what you're going to wear in the morning? You open your closet. You stand in front of all your clothes. And you gather it all in, even though it's the same clothes you had yesterday. Then you finally decide, okay, I have seen what's clean. And I've seen what passes as clean, even though it isn't. And, okay, I know what I'm going to wear. How do you decide when... You know who you want to marry. You date them. You get to know them. You probably date other people as well. You get to know, here's something I like in a spouse. Here's something I don't. And you find, okay, you find someone, you decide, okay, here's the person I want to marry. Has everyone ever been in jury duty? To well, the point we actually got called to be on a jury. Uh, how do you decide when that person's guilty? Is it right off the bat? They, they get you in there, hey, we know we're taking your time. We know you probably don't want to be here. We're going to speed this along. Here's Frank. He's uh, accused of this. Let's vote. Guilty, not guilty, what do you say? That's not how it works. You go through all the work of, okay, here's the evidence, here's what we think happened, and and you examine it all, and then a verdict is reached. Just about everything in our life works that way. Just about everything. The gospel couldn't be further from it. The work of Jesus completely changes that around. Please hear me in this. If you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, when God looks at you, he sees one who is righteous. Not like the Bill and Ted awesome righteous kind of way. Yes, he's priced. He's that too, but like you're made right. You're perfected. He doesn't see your sin because Jesus has paid the price for that. And so the verdict has already been given. When we trust in Jesus, here's the verdict You're innocent in Christ. You're perfected in Christ. You're righteous in Jesus. And then because of that, the Holy Spirit works in us and we're given a. A heart of life. We're given, um, uh, we take off the old and we put on the new, and there's changes that take place as we begin to know more and more who God is and, and what His character is like, and He works in us. And all of a sudden, the evidence begins to flow after the verdict has followed. So, first the verdict, and then the outpouring of that. I think there's so many of us that are still living in this lifestyle of, I I need to do all these things. I need to be obedient because I need to earn God's favor, because I need to earn forgiveness. That couldn't be further from the gospel. The gospel is a free gift of grace has been given to us in Jesus. When we receive it, our sins are removed from us. They're removed from us. Are we still called to obedience? Are we still called to, to, to live a life aligned with the character of God? Yes. But in response to what he's already done for us. And so then, what does that mean? It means when we do sin, it shouldn't lead us down this, this crazy path of, oh, you know, am I still forgiven? Is God still going to accept me? Because he's already accepted you. It should move us to a place of repentance, of saying, God, this isn't what you have for me. This isn't, isn't that new life. And so we continue to take off the old and put on the new and do our best to walk in obedience. But our obedience is, it does not earn or disqualify God's love for us. He's already shown that, and that you are perfected in Jesus. So we can ask this question. Of well, course, we, know, we see a, a correlation here. Adam was tempted in a garden, the Garden of Eden, uh, and was disobedient to God. But Jesus, being a true and better Adam, he was tempted in a garden before he went to the cross. He was tempted to not go that way. He's like, Father, if anything else, if there's any other way, let's go that way. But then what's his response? It's one of obedience. But not my will, but yours be done. And he takes the cup that God had laid out for him, and he goes to the cross. Jesus' obedience is greater than our messed up obedience. Because really our obedience is just, we've got all kinds of disobedience in there. We need to hear that Jesus' obedience, which is what God looks at and sees when he sees us, those who have trusted in Jesus, is greater and sufficient. Jesus is a true and better Adam. Even though our, uh, our sin is, is different than Adam's, we sin in different ways, we share in his death. Even though our obedience was not like Jesus's, in, in that you know, all kinds of areas where we struggle, all kinds of areas where we have disobedience, um, even though it wasn't like Jesus's, we share in his death life. Romans 5, 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. There is death through Adam, but those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Man, I read those and I'm like, Jesus, this has got to be too good to be true when you hear things like that. An abundance of grace. How much grace does God have? An abundant amount. How much is this gift going to cost me that you, you, know, this forgiveness? It's free. Steve, that's too simple. Talk to God. I mean, it's how he set it up. Now, does it require something of us? Yes, to receive it. When we understand the truth of God, it, it calls them to, to, to take off the old and put on the new, it calls us to bid and die. And so, is it easy to live a life following after Jesus? No. Is it worth it? Yes. Because it's true and better. Because it's true and better. The life that we receive in Jesus is greater than the death that we share with Adam. Again, this is what we celebrate at Easter, where Jesus defeats death on the cross. He ends the reign of death. Death could not hold him. You ever heard a story about a a Christian martyr who who was just fearless to the end? You wonder, how how are they able to do that? It's because they were living a life of already giving up their life. They already said, hey, my, my life is, is yours, God. You, you've paid the price for my sin. I, I surrender my life to you. And so they had already surrendered that. And so to them, death, death was the easy part. Living their life following after God was, was the everyday challenge of, of turning away from our temptations, calling sin, sin, repenting of that, and trusting in God. Kind of wrap this up, God's abundance of grace for me is the game changer. It's a free gift. So, so what do I do with all this, Steve? Receive it. Receive it. Receive the truth of God and allow it to impact your life, your next step, you, you, the way you think, the way you treat people, the way you work, the way you speak. You See that in Romans five seventeen, the verse we just looked at. Death reigned through that one man much more, will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life. Those who receive this. That's our role, to receive it. God's grace is greater than Adam's trespass. God's grace is greater than my trespass. It's greater than your trespass. Do not, listen church, do not continue to live in a place of guilt. That is not what your Father in Heaven desires for you. If, if say, Steve, you don't know how badly I screwed up. You don't know the weight of my sin. I don't need to. Jesus does. And He went to the cross for it. So if you've trusted in Him for the forgiveness of your sin, do not live your life in a place of guilt. Because you are not guilty in the eyes of God. His grace is greater than your trespasses. So I want to close up with just a few, few questions. And this whole morning, I you know it hasn't been anything all that revolutionary. So let's get back to the gospel. Let's get back to the good news of Jesus, that we see as we see that He is a true and better Adam. So I'm just going to ask a handful of questions, and these are the wrong questions to ask because they're yes or no questions. You can just simply say yes or no and, and then not deal with it anymore. But in one sense, they kind of build on each other—not hundred um, percent. But what I want you to do is, at some point, you'll probably get to a question where you feel like it just kind of speaks to your heart. Like, oh, wow, I said this to the question, but you know, that reveals something about what's going on in my heart. When you get to that point, you can turn your ears off and stop listening. You write that down. So, okay, here's the question, and, and here's kind of where I'm at right now. Pull out the communication card in your bulletin. Uh, if you don't have enough, buy you Grab bulletins and tear them in half, or uh, grab a, a, a giving envelope and use the back of that. And I want you to make a note for yourself. Here's the question that struck me. We got to this question. That was the one like, I don't know how to answer that. Or I know how to answer it, I don't like my answer. When you get to that question, I give you permission to stop listening. But take that and seek the truth of God in it. And engage in that. Because the truth of God is a better story. And as we build our lives on the truth of God, we see Jesus playing a better, a true and better story out in our lives. In the weeks ahead, we're going to see people's testimonies. I shared mine briefly, and and we're going to see other people's testimonies of how they came uh, to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And you're going to see that while trusting in God doesn't fill the bank account, doesn't take away all our health issues, it doesn't take away all the problems, it doesn't prevent us, it's not like some kind of spiritual AAA where we never have car issues. None of that stuff happens. I mean, Maybe God's blessings can pour out in various ways. I'm not saying those things don't happen. We can't say, okay, because I follow Christ, that none of that stuff's going to happen. What happens actually is is, is God changes us so that when those things happen, we're able to endure, we're able to stand up and and remain in a place of joy and trust and faithfulness in our Lord so that the, the issues of this world cannot stop us that we can continue to just share the good news of God. And so here are those questions. Again, whenever one strikes you, jot it down, and uh, you don't have to listen to more. You can listen to more, that's fine. Um, for the overachievers, you can do more than one question, that's fine. Um, first question, do I believe Jesus is God? Do I believe Jesus is God? Again, yes. no question, I know it's the wrong question to ask, but... Once you get to a question that doesn't sit right with you, that's your question to to pursue. If it's no, why? If it's yes, okay. Do I believe Jesus is God? Second question. Do I believe Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is sufficient to pay the price for my sin? Do I believe Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is sufficient to pay the price for my sin? And for those that had a real quick yes, that's awesome. Let me ask the follow-up question. Am I living in that reality? am i living in that reality what does that look like third question have i received the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness have i received the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness basically have i received the gift from god in jesus have i trusted in him for the forgiveness of my sin have i made him the lord of my life fourth question am i living in obedience to god because he calls us to right because he calls us righteous Am I living in obedience to God, not to earn righteousness, but because he calls us righteous? He's already given us the verdict. Next one, have I been obedient in baptism? Have I been obedient in baptism? The reason I'm I'm hitting on this one specifically is this is one that's a very clear command in Scripture for all who would trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior to go and be baptized. And so if you're saying, hey, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, and you haven't been baptized, and this is uh, something I I would encourage you towards. Our next baptism service is going to be on Easter. So you got two and a half months to to prep for that. We can walk with you in that. But when we can take a step of obedience, of coming into a church service that has a trough filled with water in a barn, hopefully we'll have all the animals out, you come up, we put you in that trough, We fully submerge you under, saying some things like we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We bring you up in a symbolic sign of of dying with Christ and then uh, new life in Christ. And say "When he died, was buried, and rose again. We go through all that. You pop up, water splashes everywhere, and everyone cheers and claps and and celebrates you. It's kind of weird unless you know what it's about. So if you can take that step of obedience, then when you feel God calling you to go share that story with a coworker, or with a neighbor. Or when you feel God calling you to go serve someone that you really don't care for, but you know you can show them God's love and through your kindness. Or when you feel God calling you to sacrifice some finances or, or, or to not renew a certain bill because it was a luxury that you could pass on to go and, and, and give to a charity or, or give to a neighbor who is in need. Just for that. When God puts those things on your heart, if you can take that step of obedience and baptism, it empowers us, it equips us to take those next steps of obedience. So have you taken that step in baptism? If you're, um, say yes, I was baptized as an infant, i put on there. Have you been obedient in baptism uh, from a point where you were able to say, I believe? We see that in scripture. They believed and then they were baptized. As a child, we can't make that claim. And so uh, from the point where you said you believed, have you been baptized? Sixth one, am I living in the life that is found in Jesus? Am I living in the life that's found in Jesus? This kind of goes back to the analogy about celebrating a, a wedding day but not being a part of the marriage anymore. Are, are you still focusing on maybe a decision you made a while back but you haven't really done anything with You haven't pursued God and you haven't said, God, you know, hey, in light of who you say that I am, because you say that I'm righteous, yes, I'll respond to that and, and seek to live a life that will be one of obedience. The final question Am I walking with Jesus through his word and prayer, the church? There's all kinds of different ways of what this looks like to walk with Jesus. Uh, We can do it through serving, uh, through our giving, through our worship. So pretty open-ended, but am I walking with Jesus through his word and prayer, the church? Am I just going through the motions? Am I just living out religion, or am I truly in relationship with my Lord and Savior? So those are my seven questions. Um, Whichever one struck you, you got it written down. Uh, if you would like to talk with someone here at church about it, uh, when we take the offering, you can put it, uh, your, your, if you use a communication card, put your name and a way to contact you on there. If you used uh, a napkin or some other piece of paper or whatever, uh, put your name and a contact number, we'll contact you this week. Um, if you want to talk to someone about where you're at right now, um, or a decision you made or think about making, uh, put that in the offering, we'll contact you. Uh, if not, if, you, if that's not where you're at, um, hold on to that and talk with someone. Talk with someone you trust about where you are in your walk with God right now. We know that Jesus is a true and better Adam, that there is life found in him, life everlasting. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God, and we thank you that um, you knew from the, the beginning of creation what it meant to make man. You knew that when you made us in the garden, Adam and Eve, that it was going to be the cost of your son going to the cross. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you didn't hesitate, but that you gave up your life so that we could have the verdict of righteous. That we could have the verdict of of, of perfected in you. Help us to live in that reality. Help us to, uh, to know who you are in a greater capacity each day and allow that truth to bring about a better story in our life, one that gives you all the glory and is for our good. And Father, for those here who don't know you, I pray that you would, through this series, through this morning, through the conversations that that, that they have afterwards, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to them, that your Holy Spirit would soften their hearts, that they would see their need for you, and they would just simply receive this abundantly gracious and free gift that you've given us in Jesus. That their sins would be paid for. They would be forgiven. That they'd be ensured everlasting life as they enter into the family of God. Pray that you work in this place and work through this place. We long and desire to see more lives changed and more disciples made. Equip us, prepare us for that, and use us to that end, Father. Again, so that your name is glorified for our good press on your name